Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Why did we walk according to the direction of the devil known as the prince of the power of the air? Why? And when the Lord addressed those in John 8, 44, in John 8, 44, and said, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. There was no question about it. He says, you will do it. Why? Why did they do the lust of the devil? Why did we walk, according to the prince of the power of the air? Because it is stronger than us. The devil is stronger than us. And why were they helpless to not do the lust of the devil? Because... Ephesians 6.12, Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places, because we were controlled by principalities, by powers, by rulers who were stronger than us. So, and in both Jacob's case and Israel's case, They were called to leave for a better land, Canaan. And in our case, we've been called to a better land, as we saw last week in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he said, and so what's the treasure? What's the treasure? They were called land and milk and honey. The treasure is in John 14, 3, the Lord says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, and that where I am, there you may be also. The treasure is the Lord Jesus himself could receive you unto myself. Our calling, our treasure, our better place Everybody says, you know, he died, went to a better place. The better place is the better person because the calling is to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then in both cases, Jacob's case, Israel's case, they left with great wealth. They didn't leave paupers, but great wealth. Jacob's case, Genesis 30, verse 42, Genesis 30, verse 42, which we've been studying. So the feebler were Laban's the st- cattle. The stronger were Jacob's. So Laban, he's got a small flock, and they're sick. They look terrible. Jacob, he's got a big flock. They're all really healthy. Anyway, verse 18 of the chapter we're in, Genesis 31, 18. He carried away all his cattle, all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten, for to go to Isaac, his father. Israel's case, 
Israel's case in Egypt. Exodus 11.2, Exodus 11.2. Speak now in the ears of the people. Let every man borrow his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver, jewels of gold. Boy, those women, they knew about the jewels of silver and the jewels of gold. Well, they say diamond is a woman's best friend. So, you know, they went in there and got all their best friends. Yeah. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. That's Exodus 11, 2 through 3. And then Exodus 12, 36, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent them, lent unto them such things as they required. It was a long-term loan. And they spoiled the Egyptians. All right. And in our case, in our case, in Luke 18, 29, Luke 18, 29, and he said unto them, verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. We've got great treasure in Luke 12, 32. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We got a treasure in the word of God here. And David emphasizes that in Psalm 119, 162. Psalm 119, 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. And then another thing we have, which is a great treasure, great treasure, we have peace. We have contentment. See, 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So, we see these parallels. Now, both Jacob and Israel, they weren't just let go and said, okay, well, goodbye. No, they were pursued when they left. They were pursued. See, in Jacob's case, in verse 22 of our chapter, verse 22, Genesis 31, and it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. He took his brethren with him, pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. In Israel's case, in the Jewish people's case, in, in Egypt, in Exodus 14.5, Exodus 14.5, it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled in the heart of Pharaoh and his, and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we've let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot, took his people with them. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. And then in Exodus 14.9, Exodus 14.9, but the Egyptians pursued after them. All the horses, chariots of Pharaoh, all his horsemen, his army, overtook them in camping by the sea. And in our case, is it 2 Timothy 3.12, 2 Timothy 3.12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They shall be pursued. Matthew 5.10, Matthew 5.10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. Matthew 10.22, Matthew 10.22, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, and he that endureth the end shall be saved. But when... They persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, shall not have gone over the cities of Israel, son of man, become. See, it's a question of when, it's not a question of if. But best of all, 
is that God saw the evil that was intended on Jacob, that was intended on Israel, and in Jacob's case, in verse 12, he said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which sleep on the cattle, ring streck, speckled, and so forth. I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. And in Israel's case, in Egypt, in Exodus 2.23, Exodus 2.23, it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, the children of Israel sighed. They just breathed out a sigh by reason of the bondage. Not a sigh of relief, but a sigh of oppression. They sighed by reason of the bondage. They cried, and their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. That was their choice in the translation, to use the words respect unto them. The word is actually no, yada which means he knew them. He looked at them, he knew them. That's very important for us because that brings to us the application of John 10, 14. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. John 10, 27, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Second Timothy Second Timothy 2:19, 2 Timothy 2:19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. What's the seal? The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He knows us, and this means he knows all about our sufferings, what we suffer. And it's his knowledge that springs him into action to intervene, as he did for Jacob by warning Laban, saying, take heed, as he did for Israel with, uh, you know, a few plagues, <laughs> to release them. And as he does for us, as he does for us, as seen in the case of Peter in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Luke twenty-two thirty-one, where the Lord says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, Laban basically has two accusations when he catches up with him. He's got two accusations against Jacob. First, Laban accuses Jacob of leaving secretly. And second, Laban accuses Jacob of stealing his gods. So first, he's accusing him of leaving secretly, just kind of steals away, you know. It's like, Tibney said about Obama. He says he goes and visits all the Arab countries. Couldn't he drop in for coffee? So, you know, couldn't Jacob have dropped in for coffee before he left? First accusation. Second accusation, Laban accuses Jacob of stealing his gods. Okay, now we see the response, uh, Jacob's response to Laban in verses 31 and 32. Verse 31, 32, it says, Jacob answered, said to Laban, because I was afraid. For I said, peradventure, thou wast take by force thy daughters from me. As is, verse 32, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. So Jacob's response to each of Laban's accusations are beautiful. They're just beautiful. We sit down and we say, that was very good. Right? Jacob's first response to the accusation of leaving secretly was beautiful in its honesty and transparency, its honesty and its openness. He said in verse 31, I was afraid. I was afraid. 
that was very honest. That was very open of Jacob to say, because I was afraid. It was the truth. And it was the real reason. I mean, he didn't, why did you do that? He didn't go back with barbs and words designed to hurt. And so Laban would say, oh, I guess he must be angry. No, he just said, I was afraid. You know, he could have said to himself, I'm not going to tell him I was afraid. I'll strike back. I'll push back. Because if I tell him I was afraid, that will show my weakness on my part. So I'll fight against him. It's not easy for us to do. It's not easy for us to do what Jacob did here. But it's the best response that Jacob could have gotten, given there. It was the best one. Because it was true. It was truthful. And God honors us when we're truthful like this. Don't throw some other smoke screen in the, in the face. Just be truthful like Jacob was. Even though it means making ourselves vulnerable, And Jacob made himself vulnerable to Laban when he told Laban that Laban did have power over him and Laban did make him afraid. I mean, there's not a a love relationship here, you know, between Jacob and Laban. And so for Jacob to open his heart, make himself so vulnerable, that's being truthful and open and honest, and God honored that. God honored Jacob when he was honest. And God will honor us when we're honest, when we're honest with people and we tell them, you know what you said really hurt me. That's honest. That's open. Oh, it means, yes, you know, you're showing yourself, you know, that they hurt you and nobody likes to appear hurt. But rather than fighting back and rather than sending out some words like torpedoes designed to hurt, just honest and speak with transparency. And when we do that, when Jacob did that, You know what God says? That's my boy. That's my boy down there. I'm proud of my boy. Jacob said that to Laban, and Jacob, when he said that to Laban, Jacob had no idea that God had met Laban already the night before in this dream and warned Laban, you be careful not to speak badly to my boy Jacob. So that's the first beauty that we see in Jacob's response. It's the beauty of honesty and transparency. The second beauty is in is the second response in verse 32, with whomsoever thou findest thy God, let him not live. See, here we're told, now we're told at the end here that Jacob doesn't know that Rachel has stolen the gods. That's a very important detail. Yeah? Because what we see in Jacob's response is a healthy confidence, a healthy boldness. Why? Because Jacob has a good conscience. He doesn't know that Rachel stole the gods. He'll feel bad about that later. But right now, he doesn't know. And that ignorance is bliss for him. So it, because, he, he, because Jacob himself has a good conscience, he's confident. And when we do something that we know is wrong and get a bad conscience, it destroys our confidence. A bad conscience makes us jump when we hear some noise behind us. Why? Because we have bad conscience. So it drives us into being sneaky, and devious. And Jacob is very confident. He's very bold when he says, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. We should strive to have this kind of a good conscience that Jacob is displaying here. And we should strive to guard ourselves to keep a good conscience. And that means, what does a good conscience mean? That means if everyone saw everything that we did in life, that we would have no shame. That's a good conscience and not have to hang our heads down, and especially for, before God, 
not be ashamed. As the scriptures, this is what was emphasized to us in Hebrews 13, 18, Hebrews 13, 18, where it doesn't come easy to have this good conscience. So Paul says, pray for us in Hebrews 13, 18. Pray for us, for we trust to have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Pray for us, we'll have a good conscience. Pray for us that we can live honestly. The good conscience comes from an honest life. And Paul said in, in uh, Acts 23.1, Acts 23.1, and Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, these were his enemies, by the way, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Oh boy, wouldn't we all like to be able to say that? A good conscience is not something that is floated into. It takes vigilance to constantly be watching and in Acts 24, 16, he talked about that, Paul, when he said, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscious void of offense toward God and toward men. The exercise, hard work, takes work, hard work. Now, Jacob makes a very strange proclamation in verse 32 when he said, with whomsoever thou findest thy God, let him not live. It's very strange. Of course, Jacob doesn't know, as as it's pointed out here, that Rachel has stolen the gods. But Jacob's words are very important. And you got to look carefully at what Jacob said. Did Jacob say, whosoever has thy gods, let him not live? Did he say that? That's kind of an easy question. Okay, good answer. Right, no. What did he say? Whoever thou findest, whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Not so whosoever has thy gods, let him not live, but whosoever thou findest thy gods, with whom thou findest thy gods. See, what's the difference between whosoever has your gods, let him not live, and whosoever you find your gods, let him not live? It's all in the word find. When it is found out, that your gods were stolen by this person, then don't let that person live. Not when, not now, but when they're found. See, according to what Jacob said, when was the person who had Jacob, Laban's gods, not supposed to live? When he was found out. When it was found. Laban's gods were not found at that time because Rachel was sitting on them. And so Rachel lives according to Jacob's proclamation. But flip forward to Genesis 35. Genesis 35, a couple chapters forward. Flip forward to Genesis 35. Genesis 35, and look at verse 2. Then said, Genesis 35, 2, Then said Jacob unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean. Change your garments, okay. This is a boiling point. Something happened. We don't know exactly what happened, but Jacob becomes aware that there are strange gods. And he says, put them away. And so, they come lining up. Well, here's my gods. Here's my gods. Verse verse 4. Verse 4. Genesis 35, 4. Genesis 35, 4. They gave unto Jacob all their strange gods, all the strange gods, which were in their hand. So, they're lining up. Well, okay, here you go. My hand to you. Here's my strange god. Here's this one, this one. Oh, here's Rachel. Well, you got Rachel. You got Laban's gods? Well, I didn't know that. See? 
That's when they were found. That's when they were found. At that point, Rachel gives up Laban's gods to Jacob. Jacob understands Rachel has stolen Laban's god. Rachel that was found at that point. And see, important at this point is that Laban's gods are found. And they are found in that Rachel took them. And then they come to Bethel. And then they set off from Bethel. Before they reach their next destination, look at verse 16 in that chapter, Genesis 35, 16. Before they reached their next destination, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath, and Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor, and it came to pass when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have the son also. It came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died. See? When she was buried there. So before they find out, it's found, Rachel has taken Laban's God, and before they reach the next destination after this, Rachel dies. A fulfillment of Jacob's proclamation of Genesis 31, 32, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Now, after the search was made, go back now to Genesis 31. So after the search was made, and Laban has not found his gods, Jacob, in verse 36, he just lets loose. He lets loose. And when he says, Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban, and the Jacob answered and said to Laban, what's my trespass, what's my sin, that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Okay, here's the wonderful thing about the Word of God. This is the wonderful thing about the Word of God. It portrays the complete picture of the person. Not just the good, but the complete picture. And the most striking example we have of this is in Matthew 16, 16, Matthew 16, 16, where we're talking about Peter, And it says, Simon Peter answers and says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Boy, Peter's really said the right thing for a change. And he has just got this tremendous honor. And this, with what's been said about him is unbelievable. And the next verse says, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that Jesus was the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter, same old Peter, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but things that be of men. See, Peter makes this great confession of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, on which the Lord says the church will be built. That was so good. And the Lord proceeds to explain how He is God, is going to suffer and die at the hands of the chief priests and the elders and be resurrected. And Peter, after having made the great statement of the deity and the messiahship of the Lord, then he next tells the Lord he should not do this. He should not suffer. He should not die. And then the Lord tells Peter, Satan has just used him to speak. How could Peter go from being a saint to a devil? (music) 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.